Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I'm so happy to have James on the podcast. And the reason is, is that he is the founder of matchmaker.fm. And this has been an incredible resource for me as a podcaster, not only to find quality guests, but to learn more about podcasting, but also to be a guest myself on other people's shows. So uh, James, I'm so honored that you agreed to be on the podcast today. You're more than welcome, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. So James, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, how did you get into podcasting, and uh, just a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. Uh, So thanks for the introduction, Kim. My name's James Mulvaney. I have been an entrepreneur since I finished school. Uh, I started out at the the sort of young age of like 16, 17. Um, That was about 15 years ago now. I'm in my early 30s now. But um, it, it was, it's been a great journey. I, I just I sort of made the decision to go. The internet was kind of, this was like in the mid 2000s. The internet was still quite young. There wasn't huge amounts of competition. And also there were lots of people who were like going off to school, college, getting part-time jobs. I was like, I'm not going to go and work in McDonald's for a few years. I want to go and uh, see if I can make some money online. So I kind of, that was really how it started. I set out initially designing logos and banners, like those little annoying flashy banners you used to see. That was, that was the first ever, my taste, my foray into the online world and, and figured out, yeah, I can, I can make, make a living doing this. And then um, I kind of was interested in radio at the time. And so I learned a little bit about that, got some experience working for local radio stations um, and then decided rather than going into radio as a, as a career, I wanted to, to kind of like leverage my knowledge of the internet um, and sort of passion for radio. And I started a business called Wave Streaming, which ran for probably about 10 years. We sold streaming media services to the radio industry. Um, that grew very nicely. Um, I still kind of went off to university and did a degree, but I, I used those four years to kind of hone my craft, if you like. And um, I was in the lucky position. And when I graduated, I, I didn't have to go and find find a job. I, you know, I, I'd kind of got this business that was kind of like part time to begin with, and then obviously it had gone full time. Um, so, so fast forward, sort of the last uh, sort of five six years, I've been busy uh, working on my, my three different businesses. So, Radio.co, which we launched in 2015, which again is similar to what we were doing before, online radio broadcasting, streaming solutions, that sort of thing. And, and more recently, I launched podcast.co a couple of years ago, which, which is a podcasting platform. Um, and really, the, that came from radio.co. So there's always a theme for, for a lot of the businesses I've started. Uh, there's audio involved. And I think uh, it's, it's become even more popular over the past couple of years. It's a really exciting space to be in. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's sort of like a top level summary of, of, of my my journey so far, I guess. And how did Matchmaker come to be? So Matchmaker was an interesting one. Um, entrepreneurs always talk about this idea of like creating an MVP to test a market before you actually, you know, invest a lot of time and money in building a product. And Matchmaker was really true to that. Like it came around because we were we launched podcast.co and we were looking at different, well, we were gearing up to launch podcast.co. We were looking at different funnels that we could create, different, you know, segments of the podcasting space. And one of the things we realized was there's lots of people who have guests on their show. There's lots of people who want to be guests on other shows. Um, so initially we put up these two landing pages on the, the podcast.co site with these Google forms embedded on them. One was like, you know, if you're looking for guests for your show, tell us about what your show is about and what kind of guests you're looking for, and we'll find them for you. We didn't actually have a way of finding them. And then we had another page saying, you know, if you're a guest and you want to be, or, you know, you're an author or you're an entrepreneur and you want to get more publicity by being featured on podcasts, please tell us about yourself, you know, your skill set, your areas of expertise, and we'll, you know, we'll hook you up with podcasts. Um, but again, we didn't have actually any way of, of hooking those people up. So we suddenly ended up with these two lists of people. And to our surprise, it wasn't just like enter your name and email. It was like, give us a bit about yourself, almost like complete a profile. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we actually had some way to collect these two groups of people together? And we kind of came up with the idea of like Tinder for podcasters. Um, and, and we thought, well, maybe there's some legs here. You know, we, we've, we've, we've built these lists. People are obviously interested in finding guests or finding opportunities to, to be a guest. So um, we sort of then created a, like a, a design for a, for a product. We thought, let's call it Matchmaker, like a play on the sort of dating thing. Why not? And then it was at the only at the beginning of, of last year. So it was about coming up to a year old now. Um, we launched Matchmaker, uh, I think it was end of February 2020. And, and surprisingly, it, it took off really well. And, and we've had so much good feedback from people like yourself who, who have had tremendous results, you know, using the platform to, to get opportunities or to find really interesting guests. And it's kind of developed from there. It's, it's sort of almost become a kind of a, an entity in itself, really. So, so it's something that started off as like really just a, an idea and it's now kind of my moving into more of a fully formed business. Yeah, I think I was one of those people that filled out the Google form. Really? There we go. So we kind of duped you in a way, like to begin with. <laughs> well, no, because I, I, I remember, like, I, I remember, I don't know whether I saw you on a Facebook group or where I saw you, but I thought, oh, that'd be really good. I need guests because I had started my podcast in November of 2019. Mm. So it was like, oh, I need guests, right? And so I remember doing that. And then I remember you sent me some leads. You sent me some people who, who might be interested in the show who you mm. thought would be a good fit and it worked out. And then, you know, when you talked about starting the website, I thought, Oh, this is going to be so great. So, you know, when you put out for the founding members, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm in. Th yeah. This is really cool because it has been a valuable resource for me. You know, there's times I've got so many guests, you know, who want to be on the show. It's not a problem, but every once in a while that starts to dwindle. I'm like, okay, I got to find some more people. And the quality of people that you have on your, on, on the matchmaker is, is good. Mm. And these people are, are professionals. You know, these aren't just, I don't want to say average, but just unexperienced people. These are people who know what they want to talk about. So it makes it much easier to find quality guests. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it links in really well with, um, you know, obviously you, what you're, what you're doing, like lots and lots of authors make fantastic podcast guests, because if you've written a book on a topic, 
you kind of know a lot about it most of the time anyway. <laughs> so uh, I think I think authors make fantastic guests because they have got so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, James, that you've got lots of hints and tips on podcasting. And I know a lot of the entrepreneurs on this show um, have either thought about doing a podcast or are kind of starting to do a podcast as a way of uh, building their audience and business. So do you have some hints and tips uh, to help us along with our, our podcasting and making it more successful? Absolutely. Uh, so to begin with, I think the question which you need to ask yourself is, you know, do I need to create my own podcast or should I start off by being a guest on other people's? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's good to do both for sure. Um, certainly if you're being a guest on other shows, it's also a great way of then raising awareness of your own podcast. But to begin with, for a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, let's say you, you've written a book and you're an expert on, I don't know, health and nutrition, say. You know, the first thing I would start by doing is is breaking down that book that you've written, you know, which you kind of already have into different chapters and thinking, okay, as a guest, what expertise can I deliver to different podcasts? You know, and you have to think outside the box. If you're a nutrition expert, you might want to go on sports podcasts or you might want to go on sort of uh, mental uh, wellness podcasts. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you're necessarily just immediately jumping on, you know, into bed with the competition. It could be that you're looking at complementary products, complementary mm-hmm. services, and find podcasts that kind of relate to what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it could even be that, you know, you go into um, you know, a podcast to, with, with C-level executives and you, you talk about how that they can, you know, use nutrition as a way to, to become more productive or whatever. So it's, it's about just sort of taking your skills, what you know, trying to think how can I split that out into different segments and, and what markets can benefit or what sort of uh, verticals can benefit from that knowledge and then transferring it via the medium of speech, which is really easy because if you know a lot about subject, you can talk for ages. Um, but, you know, I always say to people, it's good to have some notes in front of you. You don't necessarily have to script things, but have a list of bullet points and talking points, or at least have them, you know, if, if you're capable of having them in your head, have them in your head. So you, when you know, when you approach a podcast, okay, I'm going to talk about this for five minutes. I'm going to talk about this for 20 minutes, whatever it might be. Um, if you're going to be starting your own podcast, I think having guests on board is, is a fantastic way of generating content. It can sometimes become um, a lot of commitment if you're just going it alone. You know, um, creating, recording half an hour of content every single week can sometimes um, great down. So some tips around that are, number one, you don't necessarily have to commit to doing a podcast 365 days a year. You know, you can do it in seasons. So start with, with say, right, okay, I'm going to plan eight episodes. Think about what each of those eight episodes might be. Um, so if you're a business, you might want to look at what questions your clients are asking. So speak to, um, you know, speak to your customer service representative, speak to your sales force, find out, you know, what are the common questions that keep coming up time and time again? Mm-hmm. That's always a good way, I think, for any business to think, okay, here's, here's how we can sketch out our first season. You know, you can record that season in a batch and then you can release those episodes according to a specific schedule. I always say consistency is key. Yes. Um, there's lots of podcasts out there that they don't make it to eight episodes. So there's like this thing of like the diff- difficult eight episodes thing. So that's why I said just then, like if you start out, plan the first season, make it eight episodes or 10 episodes long, but just make sure that you're actually getting past that kind of barrier. There's so many podcasts out there. Where it's just like one or two, po- one or two episodes, you know, and people just think, Oh, are you going to record a podcast? And suddenly millions of people are going to flock to my podcast and listen to me. Of course, it doesn't always work like that unless you've, unless you're already very famous or you've got a huge, um, you know, marketing list that you can push it out to. 
podcasting is hard work. It does take time and persistence is key, I think. I, I know when I first started, I was actually working with a podcast mentor mm. and, you know, he, before he would let me release the podcast, I had to have what I think 10 episodes done yeah. before he'd even let me release. And now we just did the 150th episode at the beginning of January. Like I, wow. I, I can't even believe it, but I think consistency is, oh, thanks. But yeah, the consistency is is important. And sometimes, you know, that's an area that I've struggled with is the consistency. Mm. So, you know, really been working this year, this year will be, you know, being very consistent. I'm mostly consistent now, but now I want to be completely consistent. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, you know, as I say, it, sometimes it's a big commitment for to, to, to juggle doing a podcast and all the stuff you're doing in your business. Have it, having 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 it broken down into seasons can just make it much more manageable, I think. And especially if you're working, or if you don't, if you choose not to to break it down to seasons, make sure you're just working ahead of time. So don't record an episode and aim to release it the same week. You know, you want to try and be working like a month or so in advance. Indeed, I I spoke to another. Uh, I was on another podcast a couple of days back, and the guy was like, "Oh, this is going to be released next fall." I was like, "Wow, that is really organized." So literally, <laughs> he's recording them almost twelve months in advance. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite that organized. I'm about I'm I'm at the point I'm just about a month. I took a much needed break at Christmas because 2020 was nuts. And uh, I think we all did. So <laughs> I got a little bit behind in recording, but I, I'm pretty good. I'm now up to the end of February. So I'm like really happy with that and you know, continuing to work ahead. I think a month like working a month in advance is probably how a lot of people work, to be honest. It you know, it it varies on, on your your workload and your schedule, but yeah, if you can if you can make sure you're working a month in, in advance, you know, let's say you have a hectic two weeks and you don't have any time to do anything, you're not you still got content to release, and that's the main thing. You want to make sure yeah. that you're not going to be running out or or kind of like trying to pull things together last minute. Yeah, well, I actually I made the decision last year because um, when I first started out, um, I was doing three episodes a week, mm. and I just I found it was too much. That's so lot. I yeah. switched to two episodes last year and I found, you know, that's a lot more uh, manageable for me. Yeah. And I know some people just do one episode a week, right? So, you know, it's not that you have to do like every single day, but like you said, the consistency factor is important. So, you know, if you're going to do it twice a week, then do it twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and to sort of um, to move on as well, I think it's worthwhile uh, putting that time in because one of the benefits of podcasting that I sort of what I was going to get onto is you've got people's attention for so much longer than you do on other, other mediums. So, you know, if you look at like the average watch time of a Facebook video, it's something like less than 10 seconds, you know, people yeah. are just really scrolling through the, the benefit of podcasters as storytellers, as an authors and entrepreneurs, you know, it's amazing. You can actually talk and people will generally listen. Like the statistic is like 80% of listeners tune in for the entire episode and like as marketers, you don't ever have people's attention for that much for that much amount of time. So you know the, the medium lends itself really, really well to you know long form content storytelling, um, and just being able to really engage with people at length. I think. Well, and I think too, if you do a podcast well, mm. you know, over time you do build a following. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not a short term game. Absolutely. But it definitely is a long term game that's worth it. So you've recorded 150 episodes. I have a question for you. Sure. If you, um, when did you notice like that that things had started to really take off? Like, what what point? How many episodes do you think you recorded before you thought, "Wow, okay, this is worthwhile. I'm kind of getting results here." Um, I'm not sure how many episodes in, but I just 
I, in the beginning, I, I had a lot of focus on promoting it, promoting it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I was able to get to about a thousand downloads pretty quickly, but with 2020 and the way things turned out, I couldn't keep the consistency of promoting it. Mm. I had an interesting thing happen in 2020. 2019 was a really rough year business-wise, just some very unexpected circumstances, way beyond my control. So came into 2020 trying to rebuild. And so I spent the first three months, you know, rebuilding sales, rebuilding funnels, relationships, you know, just filling the funnel, everything, networking, all those kinds of things just to, to get things moving again. COVID hit and the business went nuts. So where a lot of people, their businesses slowed down, mm. mine took off. And all of a sudden, all these people are home, want to write books. They have nothing else to do. (laughs) So it was very unexpected. So some of the things like the consistency of promoting the podcast kind of went by the wayside. So like I said, the first thousand downloads, they happened pretty quick. I think I'm sitting about in total, well, somewhere between 25 to 3000 downloads, which I think is still pretty good. But I obviously I want to do better. Yeah. So I think, you know, you touched on a really interesting point there when you talk about time promoting it. Because again, this is something a lot lot of new podcasters don't think about. They think, oh, I'm going to record it. I can upload. Then suddenly, you know, we're going to get lots of traction. And I I think you've got to try and spend, you've got to commit to, say, if if you spend an hour recording each week, I think you should really be aiming to spend like three to four hours promoting it. And that could be, you know, um, engaging with other people, trying to be guests on other shows. It can be creating video content, creating audiograms, you know, even writing blog posts around the content that you've recorded, your learnings from it. So it kind of, it can come in different forms, but I think that podcasting is a great way of, well, once you've recorded an episode, you can repurpose it in so many different ways, but it's just about, as I say, as you said, being able to commit that time, which is, you know, it can be difficult. Um, and I think as well, Another another way to sort of manage it is to to outsource, of course. Like if you have the budget, sometimes it can be much more effective to farm some of that work out to other people versus you know lumbering yourself with it. it just depends on on uh, on your budget and and kind of your plans as well. I think. Yeah, some things I farm out, some things I do myself. Um, I found one thing that was really successful was just consistently posting about it on on especially for me Facebook and LinkedIn. Those are where my audience tends to sit. Um, so I found, you know, if I'm consistently posting about the episodes, like not going nuts, but you know, when the episode goes live posting about it and I've got, you know, different groups and stuff like that, then I found I was getting good results even without having to create blog content and just even consistently posting the episodes was, um, was creating results. And I think the other thing too is, is, you know, when you have guests is encouraging those guests to share it out and, while you can't force them to do it, but, you know, have a system in place where it's like you're providing them what they need to be able to share these episodes out. And not everybody does. That's what I found out. Not everybody shares out the episodes. And I got to admit, there's times I've been on episodes and I haven't shared them out either because it's just been so busy. So, you know, I can't complain because I've been guilty of it myself. But, yeah, you know, getting getting the guests to share it out is is been really effective as well. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just about, that's the benefit of being a guest as well. Like it's just exposing yourself to audiences otherwise may have not heard about you. So, you know, even if it's, I always think of it this way, even if you're appearing on a a podcast that maybe doesn't have a huge audience, if it's like 50 to a hundred people listening to your episode, say, 
Now, most small business owners were given an arm and a leg if they got to go and speak in front of 50 to 100 people each week, like, you know, in the, in the town square or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. So really, the way to look at it is just like for half an hour time commitment to speak to that many people, it's really well worth it. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Now, James, you told me that you have a book. I do, yes. So tell us a bit about that. So I had a, we we launched it in October, 2019, and it's called Read This If You Want to Start Podcast. And first time ever publishing, I've I've created lots of online kind of eBooks and things in the past, but this was the first time ever actually doing it via Amazon Direct uh, Publishing or Kindle Direct Publishing. And um, yeah, we managed to get to the the top spot in um, one of the categories. I can't remember which category it was, but yeah, effectively, it's a book which is designed to kind of demystify podcasting, give you kind of some tips of how to actually launch a podcast, what equipment you need to go out and buy, how to then begin promoting it. Kind of a, it's a, it's not a huge, big, huge book, but um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, short to the point and kind of quite concise, but there's lots of information in it. So this is a question I ask all of my authors. Mm-hmm. What was the good, the bad and ugly about writing and publishing a book? It's a good question. So, I mean, uh, I'll be honest, I didn't actually write most of it. I had input in it, but my team wrote it. Jamie and Daryl, who worked with me, they were kind of the main people who created this book. I was lucky enough to just get my name on the cover. So um, <laughs> in terms of writing it, I, I've, obviously I had some input in, in the content and obviously we, you know, we're in the same office, so we're talking about things all the time. So part of it would have come from, from sort of my involvement. Um, I think it was like the actual process of putting the book onto Amazon was kind of clunky. It was not as streamlined as I thought. And that took a bit of faffing around. You know, we had to like lay out all the pages and kind of getting it looking good. Formatting was quite tricky from what I remember. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> when, when we when we launched the book, we were keen obviously to try and get get it high up on the charts because obviously then you sell it to people who maybe aren't aware of, of you or, or what you do. Our, our strategy for that was basically just to email. We already had quite a decent mailing list, so we, we were sure to promote it. Again, I did a few video clips for social media talking about things that we t- we covered off in the books, things you could, you know you could learn, just just kind of short snackable content really. And in terms of the good, I think it I think it kind of gives you credibility having a book mm-hmm. to your name for sure. You know, obviously, uh, I won't lie, we didn't make you know millions of pounds or dollars from it. It was it was it, it generated some revenue, but it it wasn't probably it wasn't a huge amount, you know. And and it still continues to to trickle in. People are still buying it. It's still around. So I think it's one of these things that's evergreen. You know, I, I certainly think having uh, if you could get to a stage where yeah, I had like a few books in the app store or, or a few books on the Amazon store rather, you know, it'd be a very, very good position to be in. And we've got another one in the pipeline. But yeah, I can't really think of, of any negatives. I think it's just the main mainly the time commitment, I suppose, to actually write the thing to, to begin with. But again, you know, you can you can always outsource that. Yeah. Here's the thing I've learned about books and publishing. It's a lot like the podcast. Mm. You have to be consistently promoting it. It's a tool, right? So Mm. if you just post it up there and don't do anything with the tool, Mm. you're not going to get any results. But, you know, if you're consistently talking about the book, talking about the results of the book, you know, sharing people's reviews, and I mean, not every single day, but, you know, once a week at least, you know, sharing about the book. And, you know, the reviews and the results or little clips from the book or just talking about it. And then again, it becomes a tool that you use. It's another piece that you can use to promote what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting because I don't think we've, we've 
been pushing it hugely since. Well, as I say, we had this big push when we first launched it. It might be in a couple of our email sequences, perhaps. And I think it's probably on some of our blog posts, um, which I guess probably will generate. But I can't say I've, I've promoted it for a while now. So that's quite interesting, actually. Maybe I should... Maybe I should go back to, to having, you know, p- p- putting it, tweets out about it and put it on LinkedIn and see if I can kind of reignite the fire there a bit, see if we get some sales in, because it'd be interesting to see. Well, the thing is, is you know, it's like your podcast. You have to be constantly promoting it, mm. right? And it, it's the effect over time. The other thing is, is like you said, being an author on a podcast is really good. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an author on a podcast and you're promoting your book, a lot of people will buy that book. They may, you know, they may check out your website, but there's a lot of people who are podcasters who are readers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by using that as a tool when you're doing your podcasts, um, you may find that, you know, and the thing is you can't track it because it's not like Amazon tells you how many people visit your page, right? You can only see, you can only see how many people have bought your book. Mm. And you don't know who bought your book. You can only see how many. So, you know, it's something that you would track over time and see if, you know, by doing this, your book sales are going up. And obviously, if your book sales go up over time, then, you know, a certain percentage of those people are going to want to work with you. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, that was my hint and tip for today. (laughs) James, how can people connect with you if they've are really interested in podcasting. So either your podcasting platform or, you know, your matchmaker platform, how can people connect? Thanks um, for the opportunity. So yeah, if we, if you want to find out more about me, uh, you can head to our websites, podcast.co, which is a really simple way of launching your podcast or matchmaker.fm, which was what we've been discussing is how you can connect with potential guests for your show. If you're a podcaster or if you're interested in being on a guest on shows, you can sign up as a guest as well. Um, and then finally, if you want to reach out to me directly, all of my um, social media links are on jamesm.com slash connect. Nice. Nice. Any last thoughts before we close it up for today? I think a last thought, if you're an author, if you're looking at ways to promote your book, get on some podcasts. That's my sort of closing thoughts. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, James, for being on the show. I've, I'm honored that you were on today and you just shared such incredible value. So this has been Kim Thompson Pinder and James Mulvaney on the Author to Authority podcast. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. And thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the very next show. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.